Welcome back to A Closer Look. I'm Tara Metal. I'm Michael Rika. So far on our journey through museum careers, we've learned about what many of our coworkers' jobs really look like and how they got to the Harvard Art Museums. Today I'm talking to Karen Gauch, who manages our exhibition production team. I'm Karen Gauch, and I'm the manager of exhibition production at the Harvard Art Museums. Hey, Karen, thanks so much for joining me. So I'd love to start out by asking how you got your start. Um, were you on the path to art museum work from a young age? Were you into art making or museums as a kid? I think that uh, I was always like the art kid, like making things and my family was very supportive, you know, any little, any art projects, you know, carpentry projects, we painted our house growing up, you know, we did all kinds of physical making and dancing and singing and music was like, that's the household that I grew up in. So it was all very supportive, like whatever you want to do in the arts. So then in high school, you know, in the summer, like one summer, I went to like an art kid program at Keene State College, you know, so you could get a sense of if you wanted to go to art school. And then the next summer was RISD. So it was like I was gearing myself up to go to art school. So then I went to uh, the head of the department at high school, the art department, which I was very involved with, obviously, was uh, an alumni of Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, New York. And he always pushed Pratt as the best, you know, that's where you want to go. So, of course, I wanted to go there. Went to Brooklyn, was there for four years. It was one of the best times ever in my life. I loved the whole experience. And while I was there, I worked in the um, university's art gallery. So I was a gallery assistant. So I was answering phones. And then when we had a guest artist come in, I was hanging pictures or cutting, you know, sculpture parts for them. And you know, so I got the whole kind of gallery art exhibition entry level experience as a work study student. After graduating, I was just looking for jobs in the art field, and one of them came up in a museum, National Endowment for the Arts, the Newberger Museum at SUNY Purchase, New York, got a grant to hire someone new in the field. I got that position for one year. It was an apprenticeship, actually, and they taught me how to like build walls and make plexiglass boxes and cut frames and frame things, and they, they mixed all their own paint and painting the galleries and moving artwork and storage, so it was like a boot camp for uh, exhibition work. So I was very lucky to have that experience. It just kind of really jump-started me into the business. And then I, I was in New York, so I worked in, for exhibition crews, installing shows freelance. And you, once you get into one group, they say, oh, you should come work with us over next month at the other. And you just kind of get this network that you uh, get involved in and you become like a member of a crew and you're just installing shows. So there's also some corporate collections in the area that I would hang, climb on people's desks at night and hang uh, artwork over their desks. <laughs> you know, like the little uh, elves would come in at night and decorate offices. You know, you work for a contractor who did that. So we did that kind of thing. That sounds like so much fun. It sounds like you were a, an art installer, jack of all trades. <laughs> yeah, I worked for the Cooper Hewitt Museum. Um, on 92nd Street, and I worked at the New York Public Library, has a big exhibition space, um, obviously books uh, on display, and the American Crafts Museum was another place I worked. It was all like bouncing around. American Crafts Museum is now the Museum of Art and Design, and they changed their name, and PS1, Project Studios One in Long Island City. So it was really a very fun time to be bopping around, and we would do things like, especially for PS1, 
okay, go rent that truck and drive around lower Manhattan and pick up these paintings from this artist and pack them while you're there and then carry them down the stairs, put them in the truck, drive back, condition check them, unpack them and install them. You know, it was like the whole, the whole picture, you know, it was really actually very stressful and a lot of fun at the same time, you know. So I got the position at the Cooper Hewitt, which was more like a more permanent interim. It was called something like, I think it was called permanent interim. So it was like you're there a set times during the year, but intervals, you know, but you are, so that's a Smithsonian Museum. So that was my first real solid position, even though it was, you know, in blocks of time. And I was the installation manager there. So on the crew, I interviewed for a job as a crew member and the woman in charge met me and she's like, I got a better idea. Why don't you be like the installation manager? I'm like, okay. So I got that job and I was there for five years. And then for uh, personal relationship reasons, I, I wanted to get out of the city and move to Boston. So you moved to Boston with really a lot of great experience uh, that you gathered in New York City. So what happens next? I start trying to get on these crews uh, like ICA or MIT, and I'm getting nowhere. And I'm like, what is the deal? Are they all guys or I don't have an in or what's happening, you know? So I had some smaller jobs, like in a frames shop for a couple of months, worked for a historical society, the Bostonian Society, who was moving their collections and renovating their the old state house downtown is that little historic building and a National Park Service building. I was there for three years, but it was a history museum. And I was like, I really need to be in an art museum. It was not fueling me at all. Cannonballs, ephemera, you know, pamphlets. It's, it's interesting. I learned a lot about Boston because I didn't know about Boston and I learned all about the history of Boston. Do you think looking back that you weren't getting these jobs because you're a woman? No, we're talking about the 90s, right? So in New York, the crews I worked in New York, they were always women on the cruise. There are women on the trucks, there are women delivering artwork, and we would drive, it was always women. And I hate to say it, but when I got to Boston, it was like, I wondered if that was part of it, you know, because I didn't see a lot of women on these exhibition crews. And without having an in, it was really hard to kind of break into that group. And I'm, I hope it's changed now. But uh, yeah, that was, it was, I think, probably a factor. I'm not sure. So then I was uh, at the Bostonian Society and I, I actually just called the MFA for an in informational interview. Let's see what you got over there at the big MFA Boston. And I go in for an interview and the uh, woman I'm interviewing, she goes, oh, you know, there's this job that came up and she hands me this piece of paper and I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, this is good. Yeah, this is perfect. And it was, <laughs> and it was a job that they create, they just created and it was called a collections care specialist. And if they, it was a new idea. Now they're everywhere. And eventually, you know, interviewed and eventually got the position. It was in the conservation department and it's preventative conservation. Oh, so interesting. Okay. Conservation world was creating this avenue of preventative conservation. You know, you're building housing for thing. You're monitoring the uh, climate, you know, the lighting, you're, you're, you know, gave them more time to do treatments and they could, you know, kind of make this other profession of collections care. So you were building things to protect art at that point? There were a lot of storage projects actually that were moving for the renovation of their American wing and 
some very outdated areas that building storage housings for supporting objects. And, you know, they had, they had like all the older museums. They had like the attic where things were like kind of not doing well and they're cleaning that, you know, so it's pulling all those collections down into a more controlled environment. Through that experience, one of the things that I noticed that they really needed was a mount maker because the conservation department was making armatures and supports to hold artwork, but only for the very large colossal stone pieces. And at, and at that time, you're going right in tandem with exhibition design, which is just being developed at the same time. So, you know, it should be very general. It used to be, we're going to put this hat in a case. You know, and it's like, now we're going to show the hat like it's a sculpture and we need it coming off the back wall. You know, we need to look, or this shoes or whatever it was, or fragments of ancient, a lot of the work was with the ancient department where there were fragments of pieces that needed to be held up and shown. So I, I got into mount making. So I was working with metal and I was making armatures and supports for exhibition. Right back into the exhibition world, I become the manager of exhibition preparation for objects. So there was one for objects, which was me, which is basically a mount maker, and one for paper, which is a, matter, a matting and framing person. You know, so it's preparing artwork. They created these jobs. So I did that for 11 years. <laughs> I was there for 11 years. And one of the great things about that working at the MFA was they had their sister museum in Nagoya, Japan. So I got very much involved in preparing these big ancient exhibitions for Japan. Guess what? Earthquakes. So the mounts are not only are they holding something so you can see it, but it's holding something from vibrating off or, you know, falling. So it became a whole nother development of how to secure artwork on exhibitions. So I went to LA and I met the, you know, the guys at the Getty and Lachman. I learned about earthquake preparedness and all that. And was very involved in the um, Nagoya projects too while I was there. I went I think six times I was deployed to Japan for a couple of weeks to install these shows, which was a wow. great, yeah, it was a great experience. So was that all training that happened on the job? Did you need yes. extra specialty training? No. Okay. Uh, I guess almost everything was training on the job. You know, maybe I went to seminars, you know, on uh, disaster preparedness and things like that, but it was basically training on the job or, yeah, or from other people in the business. Yeah. Like apprenticeship, apprenticeship training, maybe, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, so that was definitely training on the job. And then I got a, a group of people, a couple of people working with me too. So I trained them in mount making who took over for me after I left, which was great. You know, so I left, so I'm on the internet looking for a job for a friend of mine. And I see this job at Harvard for a chief preparator. I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of a nice job. Maybe I'd be interested. <laughs> Again, it's like one thing just like led to another, led to another. So I apply for it and I get that and I, you know, leave the MFA and everyone moves up a little bit, which was nice. And so I was the chief preparator. I guess it, people would call it the fog at that time. But it was the fog bush rising here in Sackler. And uh, basically this job was created in preparation for the renovation. They created this whole position. I always to be the first person in whatever the position was. So for listeners who don't know and, and hadn't been to the Harvard Art Museums before, it was called the Harvard Art Museums. Harvard University Art Museum was called. <laughs> Can you explain what the, the closing and moving was, why that happened? So there's, there were three museums, fine art museums at Harvard. There's many museums at Harvard, Scientific Instruments, Semitic Collection, Ethnographic. The fine art museums, they wanted to pull them all together onto one site. The main building, I guess you would say, would be the Fog 
uh, and that was the main uh, real estate. And that building was grossly outdated, like by contemporary standards, climate control. So the whole project was to pull these three museums onto one site. And what that meant was basically keeping the outside shell of the fog, gutting everything inside except the courtyard, which is very well known. So gutting that and adding an extension. So it was moving everything out of that building for this entire gut job. So 300,000 art objects, offices, facilities, I think Sardis project was in there, um, any kind of director's office, institutional advancement, like everybody, gift shop, everybody had to go. And it just became a construction site and we were all offsite, an offsite storage facility planning to move back in. In that process, I became, I went from being the chief preparator to the exhibition production manager. Once this enormous move was complete and the Harvard Art Museums as we know it today mm -hmm. opened, I imagine your job changed <laughs> pretty significantly. Well, there was a period of postpartum depression. <laughs> it opened because it was so exciting for so long. And then it became the business of running a museum. Like, well, how do you run this museum? We just opened, all the galleries are open. I think almost every gallery had some form of light sensitive material like paper that needed to be rotated. So it was like, now that we're open, how do we start closing rooms to be able to make these changes? You know, so that was the, one of the biggest challenges. Like, how do we start maintaining and moving these collections around and changing the exhibits? Like every, it ended up being like every week, you know, something would change. And so it was like, you know, how do we close it? How do we schedule that? How does everybody know? When does it happen? How long does it take? Is it before 10 in the morning? Is it after five at night? My staff all works like long days so we could fill in those times around so galleries wouldn't need to be closed as long. And then we had the special exhibitions started coming in. So like, how do you close that off? How does that happen? How do you tighten that window up? How does that happen when the museum's open? So it was, it was like, the business of operating a museum. And now we're in the period five or six years later where we're actually adding gallery renovations into the mix. We're rethinking, we have new curators, new outlooks, new ways of thinking and interpreting. And now it's like, well, we're gonna reinterpret that gallery. Oh, great, let's do it. You know, and my crew is the kind of crew that's like, great, fun, let's do it. They're, they're very active, very talented people and they wanna do these projects. So that's really exciting. What would you say is the hardest part of your job? Let's see, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you that I have been doing this kind of work for so long that it's, it's manageable, <laughs> let's say that. You know, at the, one of the challenges, new people come in and you have to like help them understand how things can work for them and what we can do for them. You know, we're the exhibition crew and we make the curator's visions happen. So, you know, you have an idea about a story you want to tell and, you know, a design with the designer and then it's like, okay, make it. That's, you know, the fun part. I like doing that. I like figuring out the puzzle of how to pull this together. And, and so, you know, new people come in and you need to be like, hey, you know, we can do this for you. And, and you often hear, I don't know, I don't know, it's a lot of work. It's like, that's what we do. You know, we like doing this kind of stuff. It's not a burden, you know, it's like, it's an enjoyable function and everyone likes doing it and let's, let's do it and have fun with it and uh, make your exhibition come together. You know, I'm not sure that's the hard part. That's actually the, the draw of it, you know? Yeah, so you, you welcome that challenge. I do. Do you have a favorite experience in this position that you can talk about? It can be big, like 
preparing for a certain exhibition or installation or like very, very small <laughs> building something in particular? Um, well, I do like the big projects, so I like the special exhibitions. You know, there have been some projects that have been really fun. Like, I think that, that we did an Australian show, Everyone, which was beautiful, mostly paintings from Australia. And that was a very beautiful show, and it was very fun to work on that one. But then sometimes it's, you know, Inventor. I would have to mention Inventor exhibition as a favorite exhibition, and, you know, Lynette Roth is the, was the curator for that. And it was just like, Oh my goodness, she has just discovered a whole genre of artwork that she found and named and created. And it was just like so exciting to kind of see that unfold and then be a part of that installation. So things like that, you know, I think animal vessel shaped vessels come to mind because it's very complicated. There were, I don't know, 20 couriers or more and every ancient piece of artwork needed a climate or a case or, and that was an intense but exciting period, but memorable for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. You know, I like the, the bigger, the better. Well, clearly you're someone who likes problem solving. It's fun. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. <laughs> you're also an artist. Yes. Yes, I'm a painter. Yeah. So while I was in art school, by the way, I was also a painting major and a ceramics minor. Yeah. So that I think is therapy, basically. But also I wanted to add that traditionally people in my position or like the installation crews, most people are artists in some way or they're theater people or they're, you know, people who build and make stuff or have lots of technical fixed cars, you know, whatever. They have lots of technical hobbies or like I wouldn't even downgrade them to hobbies, more like vocation, you know, things that they love to do that keeps them moving. And especially with the freelance crews, you're an artist most of the time and then your day job is installing art exhibitions, you know, so it's all weaves in together. So people always have some other thing in their life that is, you know, driving them, whether it's building a tree house for their kids or, you know, or renovating a home or, you know, we had one gentleman who ran the theater in uh, Charlestown or, or they're in the theater. They had been in the theater business, you know, building sets and uh, transferred over to exhibition work or artists making sculpture at the staff art show. You know, you can see a lot of people's art uh, coming in for that. Most people have some kind of a studio. And I, I do think that's like the therapy part of our lives, you know. <laughs> so that leads perfectly into my last question. If somebody is looking to get into your line of work, what would you, what advice would you give them? And um, what would you, what kind of qualities make someone suited for your work? I, you know, the, the, in the, especially the years I've been at Harvard, I have hired four, five, six people, and every one of them had some experience with an art shipping company. So sometimes these, the best experience you can get is kind of like you're thrown into the mix. You're on these trucks moving art into someone's apartment. You're packing it. You're moving it out. You're going upstairs. You're hanging. And you just get to understand the culture of, you know, art collection. And you get kind of like this sensibility of uh, awareness of art, you know. And uh, so I, I always look for that, you know, or, you, or you've been the person who installed art for, you know, those contemporary shows that galleries have, you know, like, say you're in galleries or you're on art shipping company trucks, you know, freelance, you're driving to New York and picking up a painting and bringing it back. You know, this is like boot camp 
you know, for this kind of work. And I think once you understand that you have to have a lot of patience because you're being asked to do a lot of things that are very difficult, sometimes in a very short amount of time, you have to, I always kind of say like, you have to have like a persona that's like a gentlemanly quality, you know, because you're also dealing with sensitive material and sensitive environments and people, especially, you know, like a director or a curator, this is like something they've been working on and they've been thinking about and it's a very sensitive subject. And, you know, you can't just go barreling through there. I mean, you really have to be very respectful of, you know, what's happening. So you have to have like this patience and respect and yet hand skills and, you know, ability to make things and work on a team and work individually. So you need a lot of, a lot of those things to be successful. I think. Does that answer your question? (laughs) That was perfect. Well, like I said, I just kind of like it kept one step led to the next, led to the next, next, which is, you know, how I ended up where I am. It's just like a progression, interest lead to interest. There was a period in my in my 20s where I was working for museums and then there was a job in a theater, it's like set scenic design place that I, I went for. And I thought I could go either way. You know, it's like that was like this pivotal moment for me. I could either go towards the museums and I think my personality was more towards the museum world than the theater world, you know? So, I, you know, and I went for the job interview. <laughs> I interviewed with a guy I went to art school with who was the senior scenic painting person. And the job was to clean his brushes. You start at like a very apprentice level and I would be cleaning his brushes until I got in the union. And I thought, no, <laughs> I think I'll go the museum route. You know, so I didn't get into that early enough, you know? So it's like, you kind of like these branches or these rivers that you get into and you, you know, you just keep going in that direction. Thanks for listening to A Closer Look. Be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and sign up for our newsletter. See you next time.